Hello, and welcome to In Her Room, women writers on life, craft, and changing the world. I'm your host, Sarah Blackthorne. In Her Room is supported by listeners like you. Contribute to keeping the show ad-free at patreon.com slash inherroom, or visit our website to make a one-time donation. Your support keeps women's voices on the air. This week's guest on In Her Room is Amy Lee Zadzak. Diagnosed with chronic pain as a young woman, Amy Lee Zadzak never thought she would become a mother or ever dance again. Now, with two beautiful sons and the joy of dancing through her days, Amy has dedicated herself to strengthening the heart flow in herself and others. Through writing, she has found courage, movement, and grace. Amy, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I am a super fan of In Her Room, and um, I listen to you while nursing my little babe or when I'm washing the dishes, and it's like such a comfort, and I I don't feel like I'm so alone. Mm. That means so much to me. The The sense of community is really what this show is all about, and um, so thank you for sharing that. I'm really excited to talk with you today about your new chapbook, Small Gift, and especially about some of the challenges that you have faced and how they have affected your life as a writer and as a mother. You have lived with chronic illness for most of your life, and that has really come into play um, both in the work that you do and through your book. But before we talk about that, I'm really curious to know, what is writing to you? Well, writing to me um, has become sort of an accidental gift um, in my life. And I I think I call it accidental because um, as a kid, I never was interested in books, um, reading them or um, creating them. Um, I was more in my physical body. I was a dancer and um, danced um, throughout my childhood and um, into my college years. But that's um, when the height of my pain, um, my pain started at the age of 13, um, but the height of my pain came when I was a freshman in college and I was studying dance. And I became so debilitated um, with female health issues that I just stopped dancing. And so there became this this absence in my life of creative expression and life. And um, I luckily went to a retreat center in which um, I read in, in a group of women um, the invitation by Oriah Mountain Dreamer. And, um, and that poem, um, took me to a place that I never felt like I could access in my life before. And, um, and that inspired me to, to get a notebook and to start journaling and writing. And, um, it really has, writing has, just been a place for me to go that's really honest and um, it's just 
a powerful form of healing. Um, and I say healing in the way that um, I still deal with chronic illness and issues, but um, I feel what I've received from this gift of writing is an emotional strength that really never existed before. And um, I've been able to unwrap my my victimhood and um, the blame, the, the shame I feel um, that I think directly comes from me writing and, and the coping that you speak of. It's, 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 it's funny to me. I, I feel like most people think as they get older, they're going to get, um, they're going to age and be unwell. Um, and I just have a different attitude of that. I feel like writing like wakes me up and kind of flips my attitude. And I, I feel like when I'm 90 years old, I'm going to be so healthy and I'm actually going to have, um, stacks of stories uh, for my get in little gifts for my my family and friends um of of our time together and how how we how we made it through mm. mm-hmm. your new book small gift is a collection of poems that i think talk a lot about what it means to be a woman and a writer. They deal with family and um, health. They also deal with subjects of identity and process. And I'd love to hear about what this book means for you and how it was to write it. Mm. Um, This book was um, a project that I just set up for myself last summer. I... um, became pregnant and was very ill with that pregnancy. I would be um, nauseous and vomiting um, basically all of the time. And I needed something to see me through it. And um, so I worked with um, Kate Meisner and I took her online class, Digging Deep Facing Self. And um, it woke up such a spirit and um, in my passion to write self-narrative and to share it. So this was this poetry chapbook was my first um, project in which I've ever claimed myself to be for real a writer or a poet, and um, and so I worked on 13 poems last summer and um, I also at our local co-op I had a special poetry evening with a friend who played some music and in front of my small town people I was able to share my poems and stories and to say the least I, I felt like a uh, scared little puppy, <laughs> um, but it was such a powerful experience, and I feel feel like I stepped more into um, the ever evolving identity of myself. I I feel like I can be everything at once, and um, it's sometimes overwhelming. <laughs> and um, this book sort of 
let me touch into a place where I don't let people see, or maybe they see it completely, but, um, uh, I feel like, um, I let them, I, I let myself see them see me for the first time. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if you might share from the book for us. Yeah. I would be so happy to. Um, a lot of people tell me this is their favorite and um, poem in it. And it's, it felt incredibly vulnerable to write. And I actually, um, this was the one I thought hardest um, to put in the book because it's so painfully honest. Um, but it, but it's really, really, really nice to go through, um, writing something painfully honest and, and getting it out because you, you can, you can just move on (laughs) when it's done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to, um, I like to tell people when I read this poem, it's like, have you ever felt completely lost in your life and you're just going around in circles and you go knock on this psychic store? <laughs> you, you go to some spiritual person and you think that they're going to have all the answers. Um, well, I don't know. This is my circling um, and my my time that I paid way too much money for a psychic to what I thought would be heal me. And um, this is a letter I wrote to her after I cut off um, my check payments to her. <laughs> letter to the psychic who said she could heal your brokenness. Write to her about needing to find a project and finish quickly so you'll feel accomplished. Write to her about instead how you asked for love without the hanky-panky. Write to her about how you got it. Write to her about sleeping on the floor in his new room because you aren't ready to let go. Write to her about how happy you are for his baby teeth and how he screams and cries. Write to her about how you ravage up good food. Write to her about wanting to stop and sleep. Write to her about how you have laid in bed for days. I don't have a job. I'll never want to have a job. All I crave is meaning. All I crave is space. All I crave is time. I waste most moments. Write about sucking at losing. Write about competition. Write about how I want to be better than jealousy, gluttony. I don't really believe in the power of prayer. I always have some problem with my parents or his parents or somebody. I don't have good cleavage. I'm short. My hips will always be hips. My elbows are ugly. I'll never be the dancer. My insides feel broken. I'm sick. I would rather watch bad TV shows than put my kid to bed or feed him or spend time with my husband. I'm tired all the time. I haven't found my way to money. I've never made my own way. 
The fact that I only want family is not what society supports. I am mad at society. This one leg, one armed, dark, sunken ship, dim candle fallen and burning up cloth, shut down a dream with your dollar bills. Locked in a secret room, I prayed on Sundays at 10 p.m. like you said, wrote promises on a paper held to heart. The clear stone on the right, silver crystal to the left. I didn't lick it, it's poison. I lit the candle and held a memorial for my brokenness. No saint can pray away my guilt that hovers in the bedsheets, but here herbs meet literature, botanical touch, a knife against an onion skin, my own spell. Rub chocolate mango on your cheekbones, win something and then give it away, open an avocado, swing for hours. Write to her about how you watched the sky transform from summer glow to lightning show, how you watched an invisible something come and the trees levitate from their grounding. Tell her after the storm, you walked the woods and found yourself everywhere. Mm. Thank you. You mentioned that you were in the course Digging Deep, Facing Self, created by Kate Meissner, who has been a guest on this show. And I'd love to hear um, about your experience in that course and how you became involved with it after. Mm. Um, my experience in Digging Deep Facing Self was um, about truly claiming myself as a writer and um, basically carving out the time it takes um, to do it. And with doing the course, um, you also have a group that you talk to and you can ask for help, ask for edits. Um, and that was the first time that I felt like um, accountable to my to my art because when when I had to when I had to get back to somebody on their piece or um, ask for help you just I think you strengthen the core inside yourself and you want to show up for people um, and the sort of um, women that Kate's has um, attracted to her work um, are the sort of people that um, are profoundly um, helpful in transforming um, transforming you. Um, I I feel like I've learned to listen um, better to women's stories. Um, and poetry, I feel um, profoundly grateful that Kate's had um, asked me to be on her advisory team, mm. and it's called Grow Fierce. And um, we, what we do with the team is we um, we help um, look through scholarships 
Um, there's a Facebook community group that she has for the alumni. We just add our voices in there where we can. And um, I'm really excited to see her work grow in the world and more women come to the table and write. Um, she also does these fabulous readings in New York City at um, a great bookstore. I don't know if she talked to you about this, um, called Blue Stockings. And it was the first time that I've ever spoken my work out loud. Um, and it's just such a creative, um, creative, exhilarating experience to do that. And in a place where I think it's very accepted to have heart and stand for something. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the best advice that you've ever received. Mm. Well, I've had, um, I've had great mentors in my life and great teachers. And, um, but one of, one thing that comes to mind is from Elizabeth Lester in a book that um, sort of made me see myself um, more and accept myself um, called Broken Open. Um, and in it she says, she writes, I had been asking only one organ, my poor brain, to carry the full weight of my life. It was time to give some of the work over to my heart. Why had I been so afraid to peer into its depths? Perhaps it was because intellectual understanding is lionized in Western society and emotional intelligence is berated as in an untrustworthy way of experiencing reality. Perhaps it was because I had grown up in a culture and family that valued thinking and doing over feeling and loving. But here was Trinpa, this brilliant thinker, this advanced scholar and this brave warrior whispering like a spiritual cupid in my ear. Follow the tender girl who longs for love. She knows the way. Don't be afraid. Uh, that, that to me is just a huge permission slip for me to be my tender self mm. um, and to reflect um, take the time to reflect in, in myself and in my story and, and in conversation with other people to, to allow myself to be the tender person I want to be instead of who I think the other person wants me to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really hard for us, particularly as women who write when we put our vulnerable selves out on the page, there is still, I think, a layer of protection that can exist because we are writing or we're sharing on a screen um, that you sort of allude to when you talk about reading in public, where there is that way of showing up and sharing your words out loud that requires a a sense of openness and vulnerability that can be really scary 
Definitely, definitely. And I, I'm a mom of two boys now. And, um, and what I want them to see is, and I hope that they can see in my writing and in my stories and whatever creative expression they choose to, to work with in their life is that it's okay to let go of the protective cage that we put around ourselves. I think, I think boundaries are important and I think it is important um, when you're just beginning to, to not share everything. <laughs> Um, but I, what I really hope for them, what I really hope with anyone that I'm working with is that they can let their guard down. I feel like getting through our own walls, um, can be truly transforming for, and just connecting it back to the body. I feel physically a lot of emotions were stuck in my body. I was um, a perfectionist in high school. And um, when you're a perfectionist, it's exhausting. And that certainly can get stuck in your body. And um, I feel like, I, I feel like I needed to understand, I, I don't blame myself for being a perfectionist and wanting to do things the way I thought were right. But I feel like um, I feel like it was really important to um, to come to this authentic place where um, I could be imperfect and flawed, and um, and also what happens from me claiming my imperfections is that I could really truly just live more fully more holy in my body Mm. Mm -hmm. and that's a gift and that's a gift for other people in my life the more that we can all do that for ourselves the the more gifts we're just like organically giving other people in our lives we can show up so much better Mm. absolutely you uh are not only a poet, um, but you also work with other writers. And I'd love to hear about that process for you. Oh, thank you. Um, this is, I, I'm just in the beginning. So I, I remember hearing um, you speak to Jennifer Loudon and I was like, oh, I love her. And I, I feel like um, she's at the place where I want to be. And so it's really great to see others um, who have been doing it. And I feel like I'm just at that beginning spot of working with um, people and trusting my, my voice as a teacher Um, where I show up for, for my students is um, being the permission slip to just write and to write imperfectly. I feel like there are editors in the world. There are English teachers. There are, what my big sister always helped me edit my paper when I was, when I was writing in school. And those people exist for a reason. They have an eye for, um, for your, for how to improve something. But if you do not write and get your 
story out, um, something is missing. So you just need to stop focusing on um, getting it worded perfectly and is the plot right or um, is my vocabulary um, as do I have a wide range of vocabulary? Is it? I I care about the meaning. I care about the story. I care about the healing. Um, I care about the process, and I want the students to just get over trying to write something perfect. And um, and so we just basically play in the workshops that I do, and we also talk about what it means um, to like live. And we take walks. We don't just sit there and write the whole time. We live. We have conversations with each other. And um, I think that's vital. And um, if you want to dedicate yourself to be, being a writer, you just simply need to write and live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I like the way that you talk about being a permission slip. I think... Um, it's so important for us to remember that that's okay. Um, we can get really caught up in um, and lose sight of telling the actual story. Um, we can get caught up in the way that we're writing or how we want to tell a story or what might X, Y, or Z think about it. Um, but really the, the heart of being a writer is showing up in writing and when we give ourselves that permission slip to show up, it's amazing all the things that can arrive when we're ready for that. Yes. And it, it is truly amazing what can arrive. And I, I feel like um, writing can truly open new doors, new aspects in your life that you never thought existed. And I think it, for me, it, it's because I feel like you're you're sharing your voice. You can't share your voice and not be heard. Like even if you don't share it to a community of people and you're just writing alone in your journal, it, you're still there and you're still listening. And listening, um, listening opens doors. <laughs> mm. Hmm. I'd love it if you might share another of your poems with us. Sure. Okay, I'll, I'm going to share my, um, my poem um, about friendship. And um, that feeling of um, a friend who's, who you've grown apart from. And, and this, this poem is a, like a, a meeting of that friendship again and how it looks different. It's called Same Cycle. In third grade, you should have learned to tell time. Instead, skipping class to live in the nurse's office, idolizing plastic-covered thermometers, pulling curtains around tummy aches, prescribing rest. Remember she tried to catch you up? Catch me up. It only takes three words and a gaze at the moon to tell a friend, you miss her, you lost her, you go looking. She is where they sell roses and water, seaweed, tasteless bread, scrunching your nose, five spice mushrooms and rosemary, 
The workers nudge forward a dirty bowl, and you fill it with silence. Stay till it's dark. She pulls out a wobbly seat, the possible home of a talkative widowed man, his noon and seven o'clock meal place, where he is speaking through you, and he doesn't give a shit. You grab her hand to take her pulse, then let go. Waiting for her new address, or to wonder about your trials and becoming sacred. Instead, she asks when you got lost. Not knowing how to read a clock makes your stomach hurt now, and because of this, you know you are not a celestial being, and you don't understand what solstice is and why it's important, and she suggests you become a nurse. But you say that would be stupid because you pass out just talking of blood, and you feel guilt facing this truth because it may mean you can't face being human either at which you stay inside and avoid at all cost, howling at the midnight moon or being a friend. She mumbles a sorry that she never met your kid. Your shoulder rounds and she yawns. Out the window at the burger bar, fluorescent lights advertise beer and darts. A set of menopausal women fawn over a woman parallel parking with ease. They tie their dog outside. Nothing celestial about that place, you both mumble this time. Sighing, suddenly nothing needs to be shared. You stand up and walk out together bleeding. Mm. Thank you. I'm curious what you are devouring these days. <laughs> um, besides my sweet little baby, <laughs> um, I... Um, I am just, um, going to the library and, um, doing something that I love and I hope that it inspires others to do this too. Um, I just go to a section that I want, like gardening or poetry, and I just close my eyes and I just take something off the shelf. Um, I feel like I'm at this stage in my life, um, and with my children that, um, I can't be too focused on anything, so I'm just curious and open um, to whatever falls in front of me. Um, and it's a fun way to discover new poets and um, to feel like I'm, I'm getting, um, a, I'm building a foundation for something um, to grow um, when I have the opportunity to to really sink into um, writing. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love um, discovering newness, particularly new writers to me. Um, just recently, I uh, started looking at the literary magazines that my library has, because I'm always amazed at when I open up a literary journal or a literary magazine, to find both authors whose names I'm familiar with, but also so many incredible writers that I've never heard of. <laughs> and then, because the internet exists, and um, because it is connected, and just like we're all connected, I can find these incredible authors, and then I can look them up and find more of their work. And so I love 
um, that you were doing something similar with a whole library <laughs> to really discover newness. And um, so that's really fantastic. Yeah, it, it makes me feel um, it makes me feel like I'm in community with because I feel so new um, to claiming myself as a writer. Um, there's a there's so much goodness that comes from feeling like um, other people who are not established and don't have a name. Um, but it, it yeah, it feels it feels right for now. <laughs> mm hmm. And also, it's, it is a good way to stay connected, particularly when our lives are so busy, we can't necessarily be writing or be in community all the time. Yes. Yeah. I feel like there's, um, right now, I'm, I, I have, like, the most joy in my life right now um, with, with my kids, Um especially being that I was told that I would never have kids. And um, so I am completely enthralled and enjoy with them. And at the same time, um, it can be very lonely and uh, very hard to not be connected to like other adults um, and that sort of depth that you can get. <laughs> Um, elsewhere um, so to be I sort of feel like to be a free spirit about um, about what I can um, read and create right now is is the best I can do for myself mm -hmm. I would love to give you a chance to speak um, directly to other writers and um, women who are listening to the show uh, what is the wisdom that you want to share with listeners? Hmm. I think um, or I feel that it's so deeply important for us as women to decide for ourselves the direction in our life and how okay it is to change directions Um and okay it is to quit, and okay it is to say no. Um, I feel that it's what has the wisdom that I have found in the past decade um, having debilitating pain and just still having uncertainty about where I am in life and um, and what's actually going wrong in my body um, is to remember that um, we are gifts and we are here um, to share our gifts but you will not be able to share your gift until you allow yourself um, the space and time to listen to what it what it is so as much as you can let yourself be free give yourself a break and don't be so hard on yourself mm. mm -hmm. 
I'd be honored if you'd consider uh, closing our conversation today with a final poem. Yes. This is the last poem of the book. It's called Grow. If weeds shall find your hands, the rocks your pockets, turn one good ear to the earth and drive your face towards morning sun. Paint your knees the color of garden, one tiny seed, some oomph. Pat the ground, eat the cukes, the bruised ripe tomatoes, pick berries, harness bird song, the clovers, your taste buds, a moss village, a pebble collection, arms of the earth, mother, father, your hands belong in what lives. Hold the visiting storybook creatures. Disappear through the rainbow sprinkler. So once in a while, the bees go looking for you. Barrel your voice to the wild to do its magic. But do come back and dig for change. Study what's stuck beneath your fingertips and wait for the rain. Mm. Thank you so much. Amy, it's been so great to talk with you today. I'm just so thankful that you uh, said yes and that you have shared your time with the show today. Um, It's just been such a gift having you on here. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You are a gift. Thank you. If listeners want to learn more about you and your work, they can find you online at amydadzek.com. And links to your website and everything else that we've talked about will be listed on the show notes for this episode. You are listening to In Her Room, women writers on life, craft, and changing the world. I'm your host, Sarah Blackthorne. I'm so glad you're a part of the In Her Room community. Without listeners like you, the show would not be possible. On our website, in-her-room.com, you'll find show notes, learn how to work with me, and have an opportunity to contribute financially to keep In Her Room on the air. Next week on In Her Room, we'll talk with novelist and former attorney Kristen Oakley. I'm Sarah Blackthorne. Let's tell our stories together.